This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out conradchallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at conradchallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, Go check that out as well at transformativeprincipal.org slash Nancy Conrad. Hi, I'm Dan Krinas from the Leader of Learning podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three Two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have Bridget Belcastro on the program today. This is episode 260 and the very first episode of 2019. So I am so excited that we're starting a new year together and it is now in the sixth year of Transformative Principle and I just can't believe that it's been going on for that long. So, Bridget, welcome to Transformative Principle, and thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, my pleasure, and I'm pretty honored to be the first podcast of 2019. That's exciting. Yeah, well, not everybody gets that honor, so I'm I'm excited that you get to be it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, you are the principal of Johnsburg Elementary School in Illinois, right outside of Chicago. Yep. And can you tell us a little bit about your history and the different things that you've done? And I should have introduced you as Dr. Bridget Castro. I apologize for that. But you can have anything in you that you want as an introduction to yourself. Sure. Uh, I am in my 12th year as a principal. This is my fourth year uh, at Johnsburg Elementary School in this district. I have been a principal for every single grade level at some point in my career. And I absolutely love the elementary level. I think I have definitely found my passion and where I belong. Our school is um, just grades three through five, and that works really well for us. And we have about 320 students in our building. Uh, it's a small community, uh, a unit district, and um, I think it's pretty typical suburban Chicago school district. Okay, very cool. So having been a principal at every different level, um, I'm surprised to hear you say that elementary is 
great because I think middle school is the place to be. So, (laughs) well, I I was a middle school principal, obviously, and it is they are the funniest kids in a lot of ways. But the the headaches that come with a middle school principal job uh, are are a little different. And I'm I just love I love working with the elementary teachers. I think that that's one of the things that really makes it so. Uh, wonderful for me. Yeah, Kids are great. All kids are great. I love all kids at all age levels. I have a high school daughter and, you know, obviously my daughter has then grown up through all of the grade levels, but so I like all kids, but, you know, I, I really have enjoyed working with the elementary teachers. Yeah. And I think as teachers reflect the age that they teach sometimes, definitely elementary teachers, I think would be pretty awesome as well. And I enjoyed when I worked with elementary teachers also. So I want to talk about some programs that you're doing at your school. But first, you are a member of the mastermind that I run. And I want to just get your thoughts and feedback and and how the mastermind has helped you as a leader, especially such an experienced leader where you've been at every level. And, and you're still seeking out this professional development for yourself. Can you talk a little bit about your experience so far? Sure. It's funny to hear you call me an experienced leader. Sometimes I always feel like I'm just starting. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I get so much out of opportunities for professional development, especially like the mastermind, because I'm always looking for a new approach or a fresh perspective on ideas. And that's one of the things that I get out of the mastermind. Uh, We have people at all different grade levels and all over the country that are involved. And I am always, I can always count on getting a new way to look at a a situation or, or a problem that I'm having or a challenge that I'm experiencing and not just a challenge at work, but just in, in career things or in general. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy that opportunity. It's well worth it. Well, thank you very much. So in the mastermind, somebody typically says, here's the thing that I'm working through and I need some help with this. And so even when you're not the one who's saying, how do I solve this problem? Can you talk about what you still get out of the mastermind, even when you're not the one in the hot seat or the one with the problem? Oh, sure. It really makes me reflect on things that I have experienced. And so even if it's not a situation that I'm currently experiencing, I can give some recommendations or some suggestions, um, share my experiences and it takes me back to that time or that place and I can always apply some of those thoughts to things going on in my daily work, um, how I approach people, uh, working with groups. But I think it's that reflection piece on, yeah, you know what, that's something that worked really well for us and sharing that. And then that just makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Like I'm having an impact beyond just my own building. And I, I love that. That's part of why I, I do what I do. That's, that's really fantastic. You and I met in uh, Chicago at the national principals conference, just briefly, if I remember correctly. Yep. <laughs> and, and that was a very cool experience. And it's always exciting for me to meet people in person. And then after a few weeks, you decided to join the mastermind. And right now there's somebody out there who is listening to this and they're saying, you know, I've heard Jethro talk about the mastermind and I'm interested in it and I think I would like to do it. What 
advice would you give to someone who is contemplating it right now? What would you say to them? Well, I would definitely give it a try. I had some very, I do have some very specific goals for my career and they don't involve leaving my position, but things that I want to accomplish um, for and with our teachers and our school. And so I think that, that the experiences that I'm having and the conversations that I'm having uh, will help us get there and just, you know, find a way to make it work. It's, uh, you know, there are some options as far as time. And, and I think that that's, that's important, but it's worth the time. Uh, it's definitely worth the time and the investment in general. It's, it's, you know, you just find it, you find a way to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to a, uh, a new person and she actually went to United Way to secure the funding for it, which I thought was a very creative and appropriate way to make sure that that happened. So I agree that it's worth it. And the cool thing is, is that your goals are different than my goals and the goals of everybody else in that group. And yet we can still come together each week and help each other progress in our individual goals, which I think is really amazing. And the last question I have about it is what makes it different from other professional development opportunities that you have? Well, I think the intimacy of it, uh, it's a small group. And so we all have time every week to share and to listen and to reflect and to be, to set goals for ourselves, uh, small goals, uh, achievable in a weekly fashion. And uh, that's something that I'm working to accomplish is when I set my goals to make them something that can impact my larger goals, my longer term goals. And so instead of just, this is a part of my job, I have to get it done anyway, whether I am, you know, in this group or not, I got to do that anyway. So what more can I do kind of setting myself up for success there? Yeah, that's really powerful. So if you are listening to this and you are more curious about it, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind and schedule a call with me and we can talk and make sure that You'll be a good fit for our group and I'll be a good fit for you and all of that stuff. And so anyway, thank you, Bridget. As I said, it's a pleasure to chat with you every single week and I have learned a ton from you already. And so now one of the things that I love is that I get to start asking you questions about things that you're doing at your school. So can you tell us about the GRIT program that you created? Sure. Several years ago, when I actually, my very first year in this district, I was talking with a couple of teachers. And um, one of the things that we noticed, it seemed like we were struggling with behavior. And this is not a behavior management program, but it was more about, they didn't know how to solve problems. They didn't know how, they gave up very easily. They didn't know how to stick to something or set goals or whatever. And so we were talking about what can we do about that? And another teacher kind of piped in and said that she was taking a grad class and they were reading Angela Duckworth's book called Grit and it had some articles to go along with that. And so I bought the book and um, shared it with some teachers and I read through the articles and I put together, I said, hey, let's come up with something. Let's work together and uh, and come up with something that we can do explicitly with our students. And so in that first summer, I had 10 teachers volunteer. And uh, so we created what we call year one of the program. 
and uh, we came up with a meaning for the phrase grit, and it stands for greatness requires internal toughness. And each month, the teacher, the homeroom teacher, teaches a lesson, and it, it goes through lots of different things. We teach them goal setting and overcoming obstacles and reflection. And we even do some brain research with them and famous failures. And we, we talk about, you know, not giving up and that, that it's something that the kids have had fun with. We have a, a theme, a superhero theme around it. And um, it's, it's been fun and it's made a nice impact in our school. So that's a, that's a great overview of it. And what I think is so valuable is that you can buy a lot of social emotional type programs or curriculums or whatever. But I think the real power comes when you see the need in your own school with the kids that you're working with every day. And then you create something specifically for them. How has, cause I'm sure you've used programs or curriculums from other places before, how does this compare because you're creating it with something else? I think the biggest thing is the teachers buy into it more because they were a part of it. You know, we have 15 homerooms, five at each grade level, and I had 10 staff members who were a part of the initial committee to put this together. And, you know, obviously we have more than just our homeroom teachers, but I had one of our reading specialists on the committee. I had our food services director on the initial committee because she sees some of these same kinds of things happening in the lunchroom. So it was an overall buy-in of the staff. And it's a 30-minute lesson once a month. So it's not anything that takes a lot of time. But as we're now in year three, and as we have gone on to develop a year two and a year three program so the kids aren't doing the exact same thing every year, you know, our students get it. Our students are really starting to live that because our our fifth graders in their last year, they've had it every year now. So we're definitely starting to see some of that impact in a positive way. A lot of our program really does also focus on that growth mindset. So we've brought in not just that, you know, goal setting and that overcoming obstacles, but the growth mindset. I can't do this yet. So now that you've got three years done, you have your school is only three years long for mm-hmm. third, fourth, and fifth grade. And so are you going to just repeat the the three that you did or how is that going to work going forward? Yes, we'll just repeat. So third graders always get the year one, fourth graders always get the year two, and fifth graders always get the year three. So we're still actually finishing up developing our year three program so that the kids are still getting new information each year. And some of it does repeat. We kind of refresh the goal setting. We make goal setting a part of the process, but as they get older, their goals change and and how they can work through goals change. We can set up some longer term goals and we don't just focus on improving test scores. Uh, They set personal goals, academic goals. Sometimes their goal is in third grade, I want to read a chapter book. And then we, you know, we help them keep track of that progress. Sometimes they want to get into the um, academically talented program. And so those are things, you know, they all have different levels of goals and we work through a lot of those different things with them. 
Well, and this is where it's it's just so powerful when the attention and focus is directed at an individual student and not at, you know, like, okay, everybody take out, you know, the map goal setting worksheet and set a new goal for your map score. Like that's a certainly a personalized goal for each student. However, what you're talking about is a more holistic approach to goal setting that it could be academic or it could be something else. Now, there are kids in school with a teacher. And so most of them, I'm sure, are are academic. But I'm sure that there are some goals that happen, like being able to ride a bike without training wheels, for example. That I'm sure that those kinds of things slip in occasionally. Do you have any stories about non-academic goals that kids have set? I don't know if I have any specific examples uh, where I can track a student. However, I do know that there are kids that are doing that. And we do talk about both academic and personal goals, especially at the beginning when we start talking about map testing. We do set some of those goals with kids, but then we also encourage them to set other challenge goals for themselves. And we do talk about, you know, some students want to finish their silver award in Girl Scouts or, you know, they want to at some point advance to Eagle Scout. And so what are the projects that they need to do? One student has come to me this year and and he wants to do a fundraiser for, I think it's called Heifer International. I, I know that, I think that's the exact phrase that it's, uh, that company is. And so, you know, that's a project that he's going to work on as a goal through student council. And so those are some of the things that kids are bringing to this process. And three years ago, I don't know that any of our students would have talked about that so openly or come to us at the school and and included us in that process. Yeah, that is just so powerful. And I really think school is important, but I think learning and achieving goals is more important. And sometimes those two things are mutually exclusive. And what you're highlighting is that school is important, but also these other parts of your life are important as well. And you're not going to be a good human being when you're an adult. If you're only good at school, you've got to be good in other areas of your life as well. What are some of the challenges that you faced with developing your own grit program as opposed to just adopting something else? Year one was very easy. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. I have some absolutely amazing staff members and they put together a lesson template. So all of the lessons look the same, which is something, um, and, and they're all through, we have them in like Google slides. And so they're shareable and they're editable, but all of the kids in third grade are getting the same goal setting lesson in September as all the other third graders. So that's nice. The format is the same. Most of the time they end with a little video clip. There's a small activity to do. Year four, or I'm sorry, fourth grade, which is year two, got a little bit more challenging, you know, coming up with a fresh approach, you know, new monthly topics. And year the fifth grade year for year three has really been a challenge to make that fresh. So we're really trying to incorporate more of the growth mindset and the sort of looking ahead piece uh, to the junior high and even, you know, to high school and what some of those things are, having them look at career readiness and that sort of thing in that 
fifth grade group. So just keeping it fresh from year to year has been a challenge. But so far, we're we're sticking to it. Are all of the teachers have t-shirts that says uh, they say "Got grit," and then our initials for the school is JES. So it says, Jess, we do. And then on the back, it says greatness requires internal toughness. And and the kids can even order those. And we have quite a few students who wear those. We even have parents who get those shirts. Um, We have grit cards that we can pass out to students. We have a grit pledge that we say every single morning, right after we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we also have a grit pledge. And um, it's just really about reminding ourselves that, you know, if I fail, I'll be okay. I'll just try it a different way. It's so powerful to listen to that throughout the whole school every morning. I I really enjoy it. And our kids say it. The kids say it over the announcements. It's not a teacher or a secretary saying the announcements. It's a, we have a group of five kids do our announcements every morning. And those five kids are saying that grid pledge through the PA system and then throughout the whole building. That's very cool. So you've had some challenges in keeping it fresh and different and all that. And that makes total sense. What have you done to overcome those challenges and make it effective. You talked a little bit about at the fifth grade level of, you know, getting them prepared for junior high and high school and career readiness and those kinds of things. How do you work through that process though, with the teachers when you guys are struggling and you're frustrated and like, you know, this is our last year that we need to finish. And most of the time, the last 10% of any work is really, really challenging. What are you doing to keep them focused and motivated and excited and pumped about it? I've gotten a lot of additional resources. So whereas we did do this whole year one sort of on our own, we obviously we still have resources. I mean, nobody anymore, you know, reinvents the wheel. We're getting resources from the internet using Carol Dweck's work in growth mindset. Now there's tons of resources out there on growth mindset. So we're using a lot of different resources and the same kind of thing has happened in years two and three. So in year three, we're also looking at adding in some restorative practices piece. So we're working on additional training. And I think that whenever you go to an actual training, when you are with physically with other people, there's something about that that re-energizes a person, I think. And so we've sent a number of staff members to some restorative practices training, and they are coming back in January when we have an institute day, and they'll be sharing out um, with our whole staff. And that was done district-wide. So we'll be getting some perspectives from people in different buildings as well and bringing that into into our piece because problem solving skills I think are something that's lacking in our young people today and I think that the restorative practices model really helps students to look at how to solve problems that you are facing both as an individual and with other people. So by doing some additional reading, looking at uh, other resources, talking to other people and more professional development, I think we're going to you know, be able to, at the end of this year, kind of let's take another look at all three of our years and let's you know, freshen up. What can we add or take away and make this, you know, fresh? Because it it's fresh for all the kids because they haven't seen it, but it does get redundant for the teachers. So wanting to kind of keep that fresh for them as well is important. 
Yeah. And then I'm sure that there are situations where, you know, the teacher teaches one 30 minute lesson a month, but then that's not the end of it, right? Because you say the grit pledge every day and I'm sure they're reinforcing these ideas throughout the month. And that's where I think the rubber really hits the road, where it really becomes effective when teachers can continue that conversation after the direct instruction lesson. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, all of the teachers have the things that they've created on their own to support the GRIT program. And and a lot of it really does have to do with that growth mindset. We have phrases you know, things that kids say to themselves, that negative self-talk. And then these are, this is a different way to look at it. And um, just working through some of those frustrations with kids. And I think a lot of it really goes to making sure that our practice matches what we're preaching here. So if we say it's okay, I don't know this yet, or I can't do this yet, then our practice really needs to meet that. So are we giving kids the chance to redo some of their work? What's your best work? This is a paper you've done, or you've written a a paragraph now for the first time, and you come back in a month and you can do something better. What's more important? what they did on the one day three weeks ago, the first time you taught that, or what they can do after some great instruction. So looking at our grading practices, our homework practices, making sure that they are reflective of of what we're believing in our GRIT program. Is there anything else that I should ask you about the GRIT program that I haven't yet? It is not available for purchase. (laughs) Um, No, I think that we've really, it's something that I am so proud of because it's not something that I did and, you know, put it out there or it's not something that I purchased and put it out there. It's something that, you know, our staff did together. And I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that is very cool as well. And any time that we can get get our teachers to create something that they know they need, then that is just um, really powerful. And making sure we find the time and the opportunities for our teachers to be involved in that is is really powerful. And as you said earlier on, they're way more invested in it when they actually are the ones making it because they know that like if my teacher down the hall made this i'm going to react differently to that than if you know this is just some purchase program that we have to that we have to you know do because the district said so that's that's a much different approach so yeah i just want to thank you for being part of transformative principal the last question i ask everybody is what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you wow that's a tough one I think that just reminding yourself that you're all in this together and making sure that your staff believes it, I think that's key. Making sure that that you're all working on something together and that you have the same goals, you know, that it's not just about the evaluation and the reports and the testing, that it's really about making connections with students and a transformative principal cannot do that if they do not have those relationships with their staff. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very true. 
How can people connect with you, learn more from you, Bridget? On Twitter, I am at Dr. Belcastro, Dr. Belcastro. I am johnsburg12.org is our website. And um, they can reach out to us through that. Reach out to me through that website as well. And I am happy to talk about grit or uh, the mastermind with anybody who wants to reach out. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, Bridget, for being part of Transformative Principle. It has been an honor to speak to you as it always is. And if you've listened to this, I think the big thing to take away is if you see a need in your school, you can work to solve it. And it doesn't have to be perfect right from the beginning. It doesn't have to be the be all and end all. It can be a process that you go through to develop and make it better over time. And that's exactly what Bridget has done. And so thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. You can get the show notes for this episode at transformativeprinciple.org. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.